to Christian Life with Dr. William Baker. I'm your host, Dr. William Baker. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about fasting, a girl restored, and a woman healed. And we're going to talk a little bit about the old church with the new problem. Now, we're going to start off with the old church and new problem. Um, It's going to lead into what we're going to discuss today. So one of the things I've been thinking about and I've been seeing recently, well, more than recently, but for a while now, a lot of the preaching I see on TV and hearing on radio and other media, they like to ask for things. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can certainly ask for help. You can ask for people to do things, donate their time, but they're typically looking for money. Um, That's what I see on TV. And I don't notice an in-depth discussion of Scripture. I see a lot of self-help. It's not really biblical in nature. It is more self-help. Now, there's a Christian way to do it, and there's not a Christian way to do it. Um, I typically see, you know, when they're talking about things, it's more, I want to say psychological, where you could get into pastoral care, but it's really not even that technical into psychology. It's just typical issues people are having. It's common sense. It's things that we should intuitively know if we just look at it and understand that. It's not rocket science. Religion itself is not rocket science. It requires us to have faith and belief. Now, in addition to what I've seen, I've heard a lot of things as well, and, and I've seen some of the newer things which disturb me. You know, we're a nonprofit, not me, but uh, you know, I see some of these organizations say we're a nonprofit. You know, you can give us your vehicles, you can donate us your vehicles, you can donate us your land, houses, think about us in your will, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't want to say that seems to have an air of of just need, but also greed. And we need to look at the church itself. The church goes back many, many years. It is with a solid foundation it has grown. It always hasn't been the best for society. There's been dark periods in the church's history. Now, In today's times, it's fallen out of favor with different generations. There's still a lot that believe in the Lord Jesus and God. And they ask him for forgiveness, and they want repentance, and they seek salvation. But the message that the priests, I find, the pastors, the Others who are preaching in the churches, 
are not preaching in a Christian manner to welcome others in. They're very dated in their approach. I'm trying to be very careful in what I'm saying here. I'm not, I don't want to offend anybody. So the church's problem is membership is typically uh, dwindled. Uh, a lot of the smaller churches, while they're still being stood up, a good portion of those churches have gone away in favor of the mega churches that are out there. And you see them everywhere. And it loses some of that appeal. It becomes more commercialized and industrialized. You know, Wall Street has its hooks in it. I don't want to say Wall Street you know, directly, but, you know, it, it's turned into a business. So the issue with the dwindling congregation, you're, you're less than what you had parishioners. Look at what you're preaching and how you're preaching it. The message needs to be renewed. It's not the same old message. It's, it's an underlying message, and you have to convey it differently. You can't keep saying the same thing from 100 years ago. You've got to make it relatable. You know, today's generations, they're going to sit there and say, well, it, today's, you know, the older generation is going to sit there and say, today's generations are so messed up. You know, and that's the way the clergy is going to think about it in some respects, some clergy. And it's, it's not that the newer generation is messed up. They've taken what we've given them and they've improved upon it. We need to accept them. We need to welcome them in. We need to change that message. They are better. They're younger. Where were we when we were that age? Think about that. And when we communicate that, you know, are we talking to them or are we talking to our grandparents? Well, we need to think about that message and how we're going to communicate it. You know, we need to reach out to community. A lot of churches and stuff, you don't see them leave the boundaries of their church. What are you doing for the community to get out there, to bring people in? Are you helping people in your community? Are you fixing their houses or replacing them? Are you, you know, somebody who's had a fire and burnt out? Are you helping them with shelter and clothing and food and, you know, the people that need it? The ones who are addicted, the ones who are on drugs, the ones who are having marital problems, the ones who are having psychological problems, spiritual problems. We need to go beyond the walls of what we have. The church just isn't the building. It's the people. The building is where the people can go and congregate. But that doesn't make the church. It's the people. And the people exist outside of the church. We need to do things outside of the church. We need to think differently. Bring some of that youth in and ask them, you know, hey, what can we do? You, you come here. You're a parishioner. You know, what would you suggest? It may sound odd. It may sound far-fetched. You may not understand it. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't put the idea down.
Just because it comes from somebody else and you didn't think it doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm, excuse me. And there's a lot of that. You know, the clergy's aged a little bit. It's getting older. So the message is unrelatable to the newer generations. And it's slowly slipped away. And then as these churches close up, they go to the mega churches on TV or the new, you know, perfect example. I was in a bookstore the other day and I was looking for some items, religious items. And right next to religion, there's a spiritual section. And it's telling me how I can read the stars and attune with the rocks. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, you know, it offended me a little bit. It's so close to religion. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, you've got tarot cards. Um, you've got rocks. I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't know what the crystals, whatever they're called. Um, astrology right there next to religion. Just like, you know, it's some kind of kooky thing. And, and you know, and if it, it kind of offended me a little bit as a Christian that you, you put that right there. That'd be like, you know, you put a satanic temple right next to Christian church. But there's more things that can be done to revitalize the church. But it starts with you. Remember that. Tell you, If you hear this, go tell your priest. Tell your preacher. Tell them there's things that can be done. You know, get in contact with me. I'll help you. We can we can revitalize things. It's it's never as bad as what you think it is. It just requires a change of thinking. And definitely, you have to have an openness because change is not easy. People resist it. Now, today's um, reading, we're going to read Matthew 9, verse 14. Now, there's two sections, a question about fasting and a girl restored and a woman healed. And we're going to go to verse 26. So we're going to dive right into that. A question about fasting. Then John's disciples came to him saying, Why do we in the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth, because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. And no one puts new wine into the old wineskin. Otherwise, the, uh, the skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Just like the church, isn't it? It's one and the same, but it's different. And there's nothing wrong with that. So let's take a look at that. Now, these are John's disciples. And they go to Jesus, and they say, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Now, John's disciples, they're following John. And John is a direct disciple of Jesus. And we know that the Pharisees are part of the Sanhedrin. You get the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are 
the the Jewish government, and that's the Sanhedrin. So it's it's like it's like a two party government system, and, and it says they fast often, but your disciples do not fast. And and Jesus said, "Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them?" So. The disciples' disciples and the Pharisees are fasting a lot. You know, they're subjugating themselves. And when you fast, you don't tell anybody about it. You know, because they can see them doing it, I'm sure that, you know, they're making it known to others. But you're not supposed to. That's supposed to be something from the heart. You know, but they're, and they're saying, can the wedding guest, you know, be sad and when the groom's there? Of course not. Of course not. But when he's not there, they're going to be sad. Why? Because then you've just got the bride. You've got no, and, and who's the bride in this case, right? It's the people. So the bride's there. When the, when the groom's not, then the, then they will fast. The the disciples of Jesus will fast when he's not there. It's, you know, in that case, it's a a mourning inward thing. They're mourning his absence. And they say, no one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth. Think about that. If you get a tear in your pants, and you put a nice new patch on it, well, now you've got two different kind of cloths. The old cloth has been stretched out. It's been washed. It's got some age on it. It doesn't have so much elasticity in the cloth, the fibers. The new piece of patch does. So if you put it in there in the old fibers, you know, sew it in there, put it on top. When it does, and it shrinks up and stuff, or unshrunk, it's going to tear it. It's going to pull away. It says that. Because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. What happens if you've got an old dried up wineskin? You put fresh wine in it. It's cracked. It's going to leak out. It's going to go on the floor. It's going to burst. The wine spills out. The wineskins are ruined. So they put the wine... New wine into fresh wine skins, and both are preserved. You get the old wine skins, and you get the newer wine skins. It's a different composition of things. The aging process can make a difference there. So you don't want to destroy that. You want them both to exist, right? But the fasting, going back to the fasting, you know, they're mourning something. They're missing something. They're keeping something from themselves. Is it a kind of sacrificial thing? In a way. If they go to God and they're humble and they have faith. But if they knew God was there, would they fast? That's the better question. Now, we move on to Matthew 9, verse 18. A girl restored and a woman healed. 
As he was telling them these things, suddenly one of the leaders came and knelt down before him, saying, My daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus and his disciples got up and followed him. Just then, a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. For she said to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be made well. Jesus turned and saw her. Have courage, daughter, he said. Your faith has saved you. And the woman was made well from that moment. When Jesus came to the leader's house, he saw the flute players in a crowd lamenting loudly. Leave, he said, because the girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And the crowd had been put outside. He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. The news of this spread throughout that whole area. Now, when we go back and look at this, it said he was telling these things about the wineskins and the fasting. And suddenly, a leader came to him and knelt down, saying, My daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her. She'll be, she will live. A leader. So he's got followers. He's got wealth, power, something, a little bit of that. Maybe not too much of one. Could have. Could have a lot of all of it. But he knelt down before Jesus my, and saying, my daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. He believed. He wasn't living that lifestyle, but he knew of Jesus and he believed. And he knew that Jesus could come and heal his daughter from death. So Jesus and his disciples got up and followed this leader. And when they're following... Just then, a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Now, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. So, we know the Bible tells us when there's bleeding like that, it's considered unclean and you're not supposed to make contact. Or, you've, or, or you become unclean. You could pass it on. So, for 12 years. So, think about that. 12 years. Very anemic, right? Weak. But she approached Jesus. She had heard of him somehow. She believed, or she saw his miracles, or knew of them. And in, in, in her mind, she's going, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. I'll be made well. And he turned and saw her and said, have courage, daughter, he said. Your faith has saved you. And the woman was made well from that moment. Her faith in God healed her. She didn't know. She didn't have to. She had faith. It wasn't about knowing. Knowing is not enough. You also have to have faith. When Jesus came to that leader's house, he saw the flute players in a crowd lamenting loudly. They're mourning the death of this girl. Leave, he said, because the girl's not dead but asleep. And they laughed. You know, somebody had checked, and they said the girl's dead. They, they declared her dead. And they're laughing at him. 
You don't know what you're talking about. She's she's gone. You know, we've already seen her. She's dead. And they laughed. And they've been put outside. They were put outside. They didn't leave. They had to be put outside of the house. And he went in. Now, he went in, you know, and took her by the hand. And the girl got up. If he said she was sleeping, then she was not dead. Now, now we know she very well could have been dead for us and our limited ability. But for God, that's not final. He controls death. God is the king of kings. And the girl got up. And then news of this spread throughout that whole area. Everybody. Why? Because they had flute players and they had crowds there. And the father of the girl was a leader. He had followers. He had other people who worked for him or served him. And the town knew and the town heard of it. The girl was alive and they saw her when she was dead. Of course, it's going to spread like wildfire. We know how peaceful people gossip, right? Well, think about it back then. Well, you couldn't put it on TV, but people could sure talk. I'm sure they talked around the well and other places. But that goes back to the church. You've got older beliefs and newer beliefs. It's not putting aside the older beliefs, it's understanding. You know, you've got the Old Testament where you had the law, right? Well, the New Testament, you have to have faith. It's not about the law because God knows that we're not going to be able to follow the law because we are flesh. And being flesh, we're sinful. So just remember that. That's going to be today's podcast. I hope everybody's enjoyed that. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, but more importantly, if you need somebody to talk to about anything, it could be church-related, it could be pastor-related, it can be private, it can be whatever, please reach out to me. Go to Podbean and... Look for Christian Life with Dr. William Baker. I have a contact page in there. You can either leave me a comment or you can email me or you can send me a letter. I will respond and uh, you'll probably be surprised, but it'll be me responding. So don't want anything for it. Haven't asked for anything. Um, just here to help. And I want everybody to be blessed and be the best they can be. I want to bring everybody up equally as well. You know, so... Having said that, I hope everyone has a blessed week, and God bless. This has been Christian Life with Dr. William Baker. Thank you. Mm -hmm.